In the third chapter, we have a challenging uh, chapter here to us today to live close to God, close to Christ. The reality of interacting with the God who created us, with the God who has sanctified us and has justified us and has saved us and has washed us from our sins in his own blood, and the one who is at the right hand of God, and the one who rules over all the kings of the earth, he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and his kingdom is made up of those people whom he has sanctified, whom he has glorified, whom he has set apart for his dwelling place here on the earth. And that makes up his body, his body. That makes up his kingdom. That makes up his church. And as we study this chapter, I would like for you to recognize that this is your challenge to even get in touch with the spiritual nature and indwelling of the Christ, which is is here for our choosing and our appropriation. The third verse, of the, the first verse of the third chapter, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now that goes back to the twelfth verse of the second chapter, if you'll just go back to the 12th uh, verse of the second chapter. You're buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So that is the place where we get with Christ. We put him on. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 states that we're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, just as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In the Corinthian letter, he said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. In the 13th verse of that second chapter, he said, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that just simply means your old man, the sinful man, he hath quickened, the word quickened is translated in the American Standard Version as made alive, together with him. So we're alive with him. We're alive with him, and he is alive within us. The next phrase says, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Now you've heard me say before that baptism is the point of being with Christ, dying with Christ, being raised with Christ, being born again, not of just the water, but of the Spirit, and also of the blood, washed in the blood, and that you're made a new creature, and that you're forgiven of your past sins, you're given the, the right to be forgiven of any sins you, you commit anytime. And you have the right to call on him for future sins. 
We have that. That's, that is a part of Christianity. That's the reason we can have hope. That's the reason we can have joy. That's the reason we can have uh, the kind of uh, life that is described in the third chapter. Now go back to the uh, third chapter and the first verse again. If ye then be risen with Christ. The word seek here is a constant endeavor. It's a continuous thing. People teach, many churches teach, that once you have been saved, once God has chosen you, once he's come into your life, uh, you always say that you can't do anything to, uh, to interfere with that. But that's just teachings of man. It is taught in the Bible. It's concluded from some passages, but it isn't true. This, ver this ver uh, verse here contradicts that. Seek the things which are above. Now that, your life is changed. You're hid with Christ. For Christ sits on the right hand of God. Christ is sitting there right now, and by faith you see him. You're motivated to serve him. You're motivated to pray to him. You're motivated to ask him for help when you need help. The second verse is an extension of that seeking those things which are above. It's to set your affection. That's a part of worship. That's a part of adoring. That's a part of, of being glorified with Christ. When you seek those things which are above, you are invigorated with the reign of Christ with his being king, with his being Lord, with his being powerful, with his helping you in every endeavor that you attempt. And he has a big knot there. There's a positive, and that's where we fail. And that's where we sin. And that's the reason we have to go back to 1 John, where he says, if you fail to walk in the light as he is in the light, uh, you sin and, and you become a liar and the truth is not in you but if you walk in the light as he is in the light the blood of his son cleanses you from all unrighteousness it's a process and when we in, are invigorated by appropriating Christ within our hearts we're also being forgiven of our sins we're rising above the sinful state and the sinful man the reason, number three says, for you're separated from the things of the, of, of the fleshly man. That's what dead means. You're separated from the earthly things. You're separated from the affections of this old earth that would lead you away from Christ. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Is it? It is. If you seek him and if you are the one who is, is set in your affection, that's a verb of action, you focus your affection on him. That's a part of Christianity. That's a practical part of being a Christian. And this is what he's having us to do. It is with Christ in God. And when you're in God, you're in Christ. When you're in Christ, you're in the Holy Spirit. When you're in Christ or in God or in the Holy Spirit, you're in the God that we worship. And number four says, when Christ, 
Now, this is a passage that you'll have a little difficulty agreeing with my exegesis or my helping you to get out of the passage from the original language what's in there because you thought of it in view of when he comes the last time. Personally, it will, re it will, re it, it will include that. But it includes that which you do when you set your affection on things above and when you seek those things that are above. This next verse happens when Christ, if you look at who he is, 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 is in italics. That's not in the original Greek. It's just when Christ, our life, shall appear, how is he going to appear? Well, he's going to appear in your life when you set your affection, uh, when you seek him, and when you set your affection above where he is. He appears in your life. Now, I'm not the only one that tries to teach that. How to, that is what the real language is saying, that when Christ, our life, shall appear and, and when? Or we always say, well, when he comes back. <laughs> he's not here anymore. He's gone off. He's let the earth of the world run down. That isn't true. He's in the right hand of God. And we're supposed to seek him by faith. And we're supposed to appropriate him. We're supposed to worship him. And we're supposed to have him in our hearts. And when he appears in your heart, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Now, people don't think they're reigning with Christ here. It's because... They just need to be informed that that passage says you do reign with him. And you reign with him in his glorious state. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he has all power in heaven and in earth. And to prove that, he says, what you have to do, if he is in your heart and he stays in your heart and his glory is in your heart, you've got to put to death something. Mortify is the word that we get our word mortician from. You go put to death now the, the things on the earth. What do you put to death? You put to death fornication. That's uh, sexual relationships uh, uh, that is not recognized of God outside of marriage. And you put away uncleanness and you put away inordinate affection and you, you, you put away evil concupiscence is just evil desires. That's a big word there, but it just anything is evil. You just put it away. And when you're putting it away, what are you doing? You're seeking the things that are above. When you're putting it away, what are you doing? You're setting your affection and you're focusing on Christ. And who's going to reign in your heart? And where's the glory of Christ going to be? He's going to be in you. And it's now. Now, he's going to be, when he comes back, you don't have to worry about that. He's going to be the king too. And he's going to deliver up the kingdom to the Father. And covetousness, which is idolatry, all of those things we have to put away. You know, some people, they just live for their money. They just live to make money, to hoard money, and to store it up. And they wouldn't spend any money if they had to. They, they don't even give to the Lord. They just tune me out when you say, well, you know, uh, the tithe is the Lord, according to the Old Testament, and he didn't even bind that on us and move. He just started and, and, and showed in, in Hebrews uh, that you wouldn't drop below with Leviticus priesthood, but uh, that he's a big enough God that he would just bless you. And over in the Malachi, when they were not uh, bringing in their tithes and offerings, well, he just put holes in their sacks and just, he said, well, why don't you just do that and, and I'll just open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't receive it. He's still doing that today. He's alive. 
For some people you escape death and do that. They're not in touch with the king. They're not in touch with the king. And I'll tell you, when you, when you put your prosperity and your money and you think you can get away with it, it's, it's idolatry. That's what that says. Anything that comes between you and being honest with God, it's, a, it's an idol. And that's a dangerous thing. And you know what happens? Why he says, which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. In which he also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now what are you doing? You're putting your focus on, on in the heaven where Christ is. All your affection is going there. And here's what you have to do. Number eight, he said, you put, you put also put off these things. Now this is where it all comes home to all of us. You know, some people are so angry. They're so angry until they're just angry with everybody. And they don't know what they're angry about. They may be angry about their kids. They may be angry about their spouse. They may be angry about not making any money. They may be angry because of just conflict. You know, up in Pepperdine, when they teach this uh, mediation course, they say that the doctoral thing in the church is not anything. Most of the difference is, is just personality conflicts. And so we may be angry because we just personally clash with people. We just don't like the way they look. We don't like how they say things. And we just get angry. And he said, now, what you have to do if you're going to put your affection in Christ, if you're going to set your affection uh, above where Christ is, and if you're going to be glorified with Christ, you can't be angry. You can't be full of wrath. You can't be full of malice. You can't blaspheme. You can't uh, have any filthy communication. That's just saying bad words. And you can't lie. You can't lie. Why? Well, you put that off. You're dead from that. You put off the old man with his deeds. And you're focusing on Christ. And number 10 says, this is what you're doing. You're putting on, you're putting on the new man. And it has to be renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Jesus created, as I told you this morning, that man was made in the image of God and the majesty that he has. And he is the one who was created to rule the earth. But the only way he can rule the earth is to let Christ rule in us because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's not any Jew nor Greek in the church. There's not any such thing as a circumcision and a non-circumcision. There isn't anything as, a, as an ignorant person, a barbarian, or a Scythian, a person who is right the opposite of that. And he knows everything and, and he's educated and all of that. There's not anybody that's bond or free. The people in prison, the people that are free, they're all one in Christ. And Christ came to set us free. Christ is all and in all. Now, if Christ is all and in all, he, that's where we glory. And that's what that 
I want you to look back at that verse over here where it says, Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. When do you appear with him in glory? When you reign with him and you put on the image of his likeness. You're reigning in Christ. That's the reason we call Christians. You put on, therefore, as the elect of God. That's Elect means you're just selected. You're just called. How you call? You call when you believe that uh, that God created us and that God came down and became one of us and that he said, just come follow me. Let me, uh, let me take you to the hand. Let me get inside of you and I'll lead you and I'll show you the way. That's faith. Holy and beloved. Here's what you're supposed to put on. That bowels of mercy in the King James Version is just a, a heart that's just filled with uh, mercy and just goes the extra mile. I'll tell you, it's used in, in Philippians and it's also used in, in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. And when it says, you, you don't look at your own self, you, you esteem others better than yourself. You're just a full of mercy and, and a servant until you, you're just attracted to people. You couldn't keep being loved by people because of that kind of action. And kindness and humbleness. Humble mind and the meekness and the long-suffering and the forbearing of, of, of one another and forgiving one Why don't we act like that and like this, uh, these characteristics? It's because we haven't forgiven. Somebody's hurt somebody and, and, and they don't like them and they let them know they don't like them because of the way they look and the way they act. That's contrary to this, and Christ is not reigning in that burden. I'm sorry. And that's what this lesson's for, to get us to be Christ-like, forgiving, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, if even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Above all these things, put on love. That, that's the word agape. It's the word that's translated love. It's translated charity. But that's not a real, a true meaning in English of it. Love is that sacrificial love that just absolutely goes to the cross for people when they don't deserve for you to die for them. That's the kind of love it is. And you know what that is? That's the bond of being complete and mature. The 15th verse is let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now when Jesus came to the earth, Luke said, peace on earth, goodwill. Or he said toward men of goodwill. And goodwill is this kind of desire here. And that's the kind of peace we have. He broke down the little wall of partition and he gave us peace. We have peace in one body. And this command here in the 15th verse is a command. It's just as strong as the command to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. We're strong on that because we believe that's where a man puts on Christ. We believe that's where you reach the blood. 
We believe that's where that you, you, you get with him and have the power and the control that he has through our hearts as we touch people's lives with this kind of life. Now he's saying here, you let it keep on. And that's the same thing as seeking him and setting your affection on things above. And you think that's difficult? That's worship. That's worship. That's taking part in the glory of Christ, the reign of Christ. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Have you ever noticed someone that's always looking down and fussing and, 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 and just looks on the dark side of life? Well, they don't know that passage. They're not practicing that passage. He said, you're called into one body, and that body is the body of Christ, and that body is in the king of the universe, and that body is, is the body that created everything and came here and said, get in my body, and, and you can be saved by my blood and by my righteousness. But you've got to act like I'll act. And when you act like I act, my blood works and, and it takes away your shortcomings. But you've got to learn how to walk. One of, one of the things is to be thankful. You say, well, I haven't got anything to be thankful for. Well, a lot of things that you're not thankful for may be the thing you ought to be thankful for because it may be challenging you. It just may be a blessing. I don't know whether Cheryl can say thank you, God, for sending leukemia to me. But I'll tell you one thing. She's learned to use leukemia that she has whipped now and God has helped her. It can be a blessing, can it, Cheryl? Huh? It can be a blessing. She can say thank you, Lord, for helping me to rise above that. And to get a hold of your power and your strength and, and to overcome. Number 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell, and that's a continuous thing in your hearts. But what is the word of Christ? Love your enemies, love them that despitefully use you, love your enemies, do good to them that despitefully use you and abuse you and hate you. You ought to have the word of Christ right on your... Uh, and teach and admonish one another. Not only teaching much like we're doing right here, but when we sing, but these songs that we had, they were teaching and admonishing and helping one another. It was a worship to him. And when we sang, we sang with grace because we believed that we were reigning with Christ and Christ had accepted us and that we are saved and that there's not anything that's going to separate us from the love of Christ and that will help us to endure the things that will come to us. We have eternal life. Everything you do, that 17th verse says, do in, by his authority. And you know, the reason why you do that is because he's reigning in your life. He is at the right hand of God. And you put him on and you've been buried with him. And you just give thanks to God that, that you're in him and that he's in you. And that he's at the right hand of God and that he controls the universe. And then he goes ahead and talks about the relationship of each other, one toward another. Uh, I want you to turn over to Romans. It's back the other way in our closing. And 
there is a verse in Romans, it's the 14th chapter. And it's the, I want you to start with the 14th, uh, uh, the 17th verse. Now the reason I believe this helps us to understand what we've just covered is because this is a definition of what the kingdom of God is. They were having a little trouble there whether they could eat things, whether they could serve one another or not. Or, but uh, uh, look at number 7, verse 7. I'll read that because that sort of helps us with the context. For none of us lives to himself and no man dies to himself. But why? Because we're in the Lord, and we're Christians, and these people were Christians, and, and they were in the Lord. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to him. And that's what he was telling me. He said, you can't go in there. You've got to put, on, put off these things and put on this. Why? Because you belong to the Lord. The Lord, the only thing that dwells with Christ is holiness. And if you're not holy, he'll make you holy when you get into him and practice what he said in, in Colossians, the third chapter. His blood makes you holy. You've got to be sold on his righteousness and his character and, and his being. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be the Lord of both the living, uh, dead and the living. So it doesn't matter whether we're living in this body or whether we're dead and we're going to be with Christ, which Paul says, uh, we're never going to escape uh, being with the Lord. We'll have to give an account. But all we have to do is just put our trust in him. Now look at number 17. Here's a definition of what we're talking about. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. So what is it? It's doing right. That word righteousness is all those characteristics that's named in chapter 3 in Colossians that were positive and righteous and good and like Christ. He is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. He's our wisdom. He's our justification. The kingdom of God is righteousness and is peace. And if you see that third chapter of Colossians, that he created us in one body, he created peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he that is in these things serving Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. That's the message. That's the message. A great message. It's been there for over 2,000 years. A lot of people have, have thought of Christ has gone off and left the world to run down. And that he'll come back sometime and demand that we uh, keep that. No, he helps us. He forgives us. He, he helps us along the way. And that's what's so wonderful about Christianity. If you haven't believed, repented, and been baptized, and you're subject to that, we ask you to come. If you haven't lived faithful, you can come and we'll pray together as we stand together and say.